Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored, today, June 28th, 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for making us the number one health list, health radio network show on the internet. I want to apologize to those listeners that uh, couldn't hang in there last week for the first 15 minutes of the program where we had technical difficulties with the microphone and blocked off radio. God bless them. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we are brought to you by Dr. Ron and Lipolite Naples. He's located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road. Dr. Ron is board-certified chiropractic neurologist. He is a chiropractor. He is licensed in functional and certified in functional medicine. If you need a slim shape, tone, get your life in order, fix that leaky gut syndrome. Uh, if you have fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, uh, you need to go see your Dr. Ron. Take a look at the only private nitrogen chamber in South Florida. Always monitored, never a problem. Very affordable. Dr. Ron at LipoLite Naples, 239-331-5886. And we have a little uh, special today. I'm going to um, open the show up with a friend of mine, Dr. Dan. Uh, Dr. Dan, do your thing. Give me that old-time religion. It's that old-time religion. It's that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Amen. Amen, brother. You know what? How's that, Ron? That was good, Dr. Dan. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the reason we're doing that is because, you know what? This weekly ritual could add years to your life. Would you believe that? By going to church on Sunday... It could add years to your life. It's a, it is the key to a longer, healthier life for your body, too, ladies and gentlemen. This is something you're not going to hear on uh, mainline news channels, but new research shows that the Sunday faithful have more Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and more because folks who attend church regularly have a much lower risk of facing the moment that's usually accompanied by the 23rd Psalm. And I know Dr. Dan knows that 23rd Psalm. In a recent oh, yeah. study of more than 75,000 women, those who went to church once a week over the course of 16 years had a 26%, 26% lower risk of dying from any cause than those that never went to church at all. The biggest benefits, guess what? Right where you want them. A drop in the risk of death from the two leading Killers, and what are they? Heart disease and cancer, right, Dr. Dan? Absolutely, right, Dr. Ron. If you're truly Absolutely. devout, right? If you're truly devout, you get to church more than once a week, that plunges even further 
Doctor Dan, you want to take a take a, a guess at how much further? You know, if, if just go once a week, you're twenty six percent. If you go more than once a week, get what do you think it drops down to? Um, I would say, uh, oh, oh, the chances of heart disease and cancer. Uh, yeah, I yeah. would I would say probably between five and ten percent. More than that, right? So it's actually you're actually right, thirty three percent less now. So folks oh, who attend. Yeah, so add that to the 26, and you're right on the money. And folks who attend less regularly get less of a benefit, but they still get one, a 13% lower risk of death. So it may not be politically correct, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the power of prayer. I know it, uh, and it'll drive the atheists that run this nation's left-wing media absolutely crazy. But, you know, we're here to just give you the truth. But it looks like some prayers get answered after all. I've already seen the church haters in the mainstream try to dismiss this study. They're claiming that folks who go to church every week are healthier to start with because sick people can't get out that much, if at all. But the researchers, they adjusted for that. They adjusted for all those uh, outliers, and they checked the numbers and checked them again. And no matter how many weak tweaks they made, they got the same answer. And that answer is church, more than anything else, saves lives. So this suggests that there's something powerful about communal religious experience. These systems of thought and practice shaped over millennia, and they are powerful, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir, darn right powerful. So do your body, your mind, your spirit a favor. Get your tail out to church if you're not going already. If you haven't been there in a while, don't worry about it. I'm sure they'll welcome you with open arms because they do like collections too. All right, it's a church after all, ladies and gentlemen, but there's something you will need in order to get the keys to the kingdom, and that's the keys to your car. And you know what? It's really important that you try and drive as long as you can and and drive safely. So that's my opening message for today. Uh, Dr. Dan is always a big help here. He's a musician, a great doctor, multi-talented person and uh, thank you for opening the show up and I, that, that leads me to something else we we're, we're going to talk about today Dr. Dan you know uh, a lot of people a lot of physicians and nurse practitioners they deny that medicine is a science and they treat it like a religion in other words they know if they, when presented with the facts that statin drugs are only effective in Two to five percent of the people that take them, you know, but you know what they say? Oh, I I don't believe that. I believe they work. Well, you can believe in God. You can believe in going to church, but this this the statistic prove that statin drugs don't work, right? So where does this all come from? Well, I'm going to report on uh, a couple studies to you uh, about doctors and. You'd be surprised with what your doc will sell out to the drug companies for. Maybe even just a slice of pizza. Dr. Dan, you remember when we were in practice? How they used to oh, take yeah. us to lunch and uh, take us on vacations and everything? Absolutely. Well, remember, those days were the days, right? Those were the days that were. They're gone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's no such thing as a free lunch. It's an old saying, but the latest research finds is true when it comes to doctors. Because today, ladies and gentlemen, they are not 
thinking critically. They are being bought for the price of a lunch. Now, we're not talking about steak tartare to Four Seasons. We're not talking about a grand sandwich at Denny's. The new study that I'm going to report on right now finds that a single low-cost meal, even if the value is less than 20 bucks, like send, sending someone to uh, sending a pizza to your office is enough to influence the prescribing habits of doctors. Would you believe that, ladies and gentlemen, that doctors can be bought this way? And I'll tell you how to uh, how to find out. Docs who feed at this trough are twice as likely to push pricey brand name drugs over cheap generics when compared to physicians who don't bite the bait. The more they eat on the big pharma's dime, the more they'll prescribe name brand drugs. And docs who get multiple meals are three times more likely. Now, where do you think I got this from? Do you think I got it from Prevention Magazine, Time Magazine, Playboy? No, I got this right from the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine. This is from our own journals reporting how doctors can be bought. And the more expensive the meals, the more prone the docs are to pushing these medications, according to the study of Medicare data. So you wonder why these big pharmaceutical companies spend nearly a quarter of a billion bucks on meals for docs every year. You know why they do it? Simple. It works. This isn't just for profit. It means more money out of your pocket. That's the hard part. Because generic copays are maybe low, maybe a buck a pop, but brand name copays could be forty dollars or more. So it really does affect your pocketbook, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're a senior, you're trying to squeeze by you know, on a limited income, you're taking multiple medications, it adds up pretty quickly. Soon you may uh, have to make some cuts in your own personal budget, and that's not right. That means more food in your doctor's mouth could mean less food for yours. The researchers say there that this is there is more proof that the big pharmaceutical companies should be blocked from buying off doctors, even for little things like meals. Of course, docs in the industry are fighting tooth and nail against every effort to stop and even limit this shameless petty. It really is petty on the on the part of the drug companies, petty bribery. Well. What can you do? Well, look around the office. If everything from the clocks to the wastebasket have some kind of drug branding on them, odds are that your doctor is playing wheels of wheel fortune. Secondly, you can look around online. The pharmaceutical companies now are required to report all payments to doctors and their databases where you can check on your own physician to see how much he takes and from whom. And the place to start is ProPublicas. Don't worry about those two names. Just remember, dollars for docs. Dollars for docs. So, Dan, you know, I, I think during our day we would take things, but we always did what was right for the patient, right? Absolutely. There was no, no compen- really compensation. Uh, we, we tried to do the best we could to be the best healers we could. Exactly. And uh, we like to get information from these people, but uh, uh, they, we, we were, we are, as, as far as I know, and the, the people that I associated with, we were never bought off. Well, I agree. 
ladies and gentlemen, you know, we talk about our primary care doctors and sometimes we trust them with our lives and they're really important. Uh, but if you're recently relocated, you have a new insurance plan or whatever, you really have to uh, be careful uh, about who you choose. And how do you know that? And the answer is you really don't. The medical profession really makes it hard to find out if your new doctor has been disciplined or is currently on probation. It's really difficult today, even with the computers. Now, I just saw, I saw a report, and that's why I'm reporting on this now. It was in Consumer Reports. They just released a report called Safe Patient Project. And despite the roadblocks and learning of the truth about doctors, they found some ways to go about it. And uh, if you haven't heard about it, let me just give you a few uh, pointers that I wrote down about it. Because it could be one of the most important things you do before you pick up the phone and make that first appointment. You can find out more about the safety record of your toaster than your doctor. That's what I wrote. After reading all this, you can find out more about whether toasters have been recalled than what's happening with your doctor. And that's what Robert Ostrell, former associate director at the National Practice Data Bank, as they call it NPDB, has to say about checking on a physician background. Well, you probably would never even think about things like a doctor being put on probation, but you know what? They are. Actually, thousands of practicing doctors are on probation all over the country, and most are still allowed to see patients, and they, and you would have probably no idea what's going on. One California ob Guiney guy, for example, he's been put on a seven-year probation. Guess why? Surgically removing healthy ovaries from a 37-year-old woman and contributing to the deaths of two young mothers. Believe that? He doesn't have to breathe a word about it to his patients if he doesn't want to, and he's not alone. The California Medical Board, and Dr. Dan and I went to school with a, a fellow that was the president of that board. The California Medical Board currently has a 32-page list of other doctors in California also on probation. And that's just one state. Well, I'm not going to go and beat this up, but instead of just Googling the new doctor's name, uh, Consumer Reports recommend you start by going to DocInfo, D-O-C-I-N-F-O dot org. Go to DocInfo dot org and see uh, what you find out about the doctor that you uh, are planning to go to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Dan did start off our show. Let's take a quick time out to hear about Dr. Ron's new radio ad and his cryo, and we'll be right back. And I thank you. I'm looking at the board. We have uh, listeners from all over the country today, Dr. Dan, even uh, one from New Jersey, and uh, incredible. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in one minute. This is Dr. Ron Repesey of Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Spa, your place to chill at 239-658-COOL. If you've not heard of whole body cryotherapy and suffer with back pain, joint pain, arthritis, fibromyalgia, or you're an athlete that wants quick recovery from sports injuries, then come chill with us at Rejuvenation's Cool Cryo Sauna. Cryospa treatments take only three minutes and are supervised by physicians. Sessions are one-on-one in a private environment. Each treatment can also burn five to 800 calories. As seen on Dr. Oz, Cool Cryospa is truly amazing technology. 
Let's hear what Dr. Kurt Biggs, a well-respected orthopedic surgeon in Naples, has to say about cool cryotherapy. Hi, I'm Dr. Biggs of the Joint Replacement Institute. Since I started applying the cool cryosauna, my patients are healing much quicker and athletes are seeing quick recovery. I recommend this procedure for my surgical patients and athletes. Call Dr. Repesey now to schedule your cool cryo trial session. 239-658-COOL. 239-658-2665. Located at 1575 Pine Ridge Road in the Noodles Italian Bistro Plaza. Rejuvenations, cool cryo spa. Come chill with us. There you go, doctor, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Ron in Naples, uh, 239-331-5886. So, Dr. Dan, I, it's really good to have you on the show today. I appreciate you uh, calling in and, and being available. And uh, can't wait till we get together at some point in time start playing the piano again. Yes, I appreciate uh, you asking me to be on the show today. And by the way, I did uh, I did read that article. I, I get consumers' reports, and it's unbelievable, especially with that doctor in California. Yeah, is that? that is I mean, scary. Yeah, it really is. It's scary. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, people should see? really be concerned about something like like that, you know, and and yeah. uh, being being treated by someone who has this history. It's you don't know what can happen to you after what all these other bad cases that occurred, you know? Exactly. And, and why have you, did you hear that on CNN? Did you hear that on MSNBC, Fox news network? Where'd you hear that? You don't hear about it. That's, that's the problem. Of course not. Not, not on the media. (laughs) It wouldn't happen there. Would it? No, that's that. That's why we, that's why we keep the show going, Dan. This is why we keep it going. Absolutely, well, Ron. This is what we need. This is real, true information. Well, I'm going to give you. We're going to talk a little bit about exercise because it's no secret that it's good for us, right, ladies and gentlemen? In fact, you can say that exercise has been found to be as effective as drugs in treating numerous health conditions. And uh, you know what? You'd probably have plenty of science to back that up. But I have a question. How much does it take to have that benefit? How much do you have to exercise to have the health benefits of it? And the answer, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, it's going to kill a lot of people at LA Fitness. It's not as much as you think. Actually, a new study has found that all it takes is a 15-minute brisk walk every day to substantially increase your odds of staying alive. And and don't pull that age card on me because it's not it's no excuse not to walk 15 minutes a day. Dr. David Hoopin, H-U-P-I-N, the study author said, age is no not an excuse to not exercise. The French researcher, he crunched the data on two groups. One with over a thousand people who were followed for 12 years after turning 65, and then a larger group of 122,000 subjects, aged 60 years, who were tracked for 10 years. And he found that even a low level of activity, just 15 minutes, 15 minutes, and you know that's that's half the amount that we've been talking about was associated with a 22% reduced risk of death in older adults compared to those who were inactive. 
So now, if you have the time and energy to do more than that, all the better, ladies and gentlemen. But the biggest life-promoting gain was found at that trusty 15 daily minutes. And, uh, you know, you could have the 10,000 steps, the Fitbits, and all the, everything else. But you need to get your meat off the seat and get that 15 minutes of walking in a day. Now, these two studies show that the more physical activity older adults do, the greater health benefit. But the biggest jump in benefit was achieved at the low-level exercise, he said. And if you're not in the habit of walking daily, the best way to start is by going out with friends or neighbors. I have a, a neighbor for a, in, when I lived in Pennsylvania. We used to meet in the morning and go out every day and, and just enjoyed it. We solved all the world's problems and we got our, our run in. And then we went to work because we had so much energy. So start slow, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a marathon. Work up to that 15-minute goal if you're out of shape. Another good way to make sure you keep on walking is to have a dog in your life. Dogs will keep you moving every day, even when the weather is less than perfect. And doing that just may be the key to a longer life. Well, what do you think, Dan? You think What do you think of that study? Well, I... I totally agree. Uh, any amount of exercise that you do is going to help you. Even if you can't get outside, walk in the house. In fact, right now I have my pedometer on. I finally found one that's working again. I've had trouble with them. Even if, <laughs> even if it's too hot or whatever's happening, or you have problems you have to handle, I check my pedometer. And I better get 10,000 steps in a day or more. Or I'm not happy. So and how I, many steps do you think it is in 15 minutes? Part at 15 minutes? God, I don't know. I uh, let me think. It's uh, it depends on how long. That's probably a mile for most people, uh, which would be uh, maybe 2,200 to uh, possibly 3,000 uh, steps, depending on, on how fast you go. Well, see, and that's what this study is shown, showing. You don't have to go crazy. You know, don't right. don't set some limit that you may not be able to achieve so you don't feel like you're a failure. Just get out there and do that 15-minute walk. You know, uh, my, my neighbor and I, we used to try and do three miles or so, and I think he even did a marathon once and uh, just about ruined his hips, but he did it. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, 15 minutes a day. There's a, studies have shown that uh, running doesn't do doesn't do anything more for you than walking. Walking's probably better and it's safer. Absolutely, I agree you, with that. Better for your joints too. And also, Our, if you get outside, you get some of that vitamin D that we need. Absolutely. That we need every. And I think that's important. As as long as we we don't overdo it, we shouldn't get skin cancer. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's some comments from Dr. Dan right on the money. And, you know, what else do you need every day? You need exercise. You need water, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I'd be hydrated. You think, did you ever hear that, that saying, uh, until hell freezes over? <laughs> I think. <laughs> sure have. I, well, just, I, think, I just heard on TV yesterday. <laughs> Well, I think hell's going to freeze over, and I'm going to tell you why, uh, Dr. Dan, and I don't think you have a clue as to why I'm saying this. 
You know, no. ever since I've been on this show, ever since I started this, three years ago, I've been telling people about fluoride. And then I told them in my practice, I used to have book uh, pamphlets by Dr. Yamianos, who has since passed away, a PhD, warning about the dangers of fluoride. And I've told everybody, it's been linked to everything from, from brain problems to cancer. Now, here's why I say health freezes over. For the first time, the FDA has finally admitted that fluoride is a drug and that it mm. comes with serious risks and that it hasn't been recognized as safe. I never thought I would see that. But there's a problem. This long overdue confession comes with one big catch. And I'll tell you about that. Lots of us have been waiting a long time for the government to go after the thousands of cities and towns pumping fluoride into our water. But guess what? The FDA ended up targeting the folks who made fluoride drops instead. They didn't go after the, the, the fluoride in the water. They went after the manufacturer of fluoride drops. Believe it or not, these brain surgeons at the FDA dashed off a statement claiming that swallowing fluoride drops for cavity protection makes it an unapproved new drug and one that should require a prescription. Even worse, they claimed it was, quote, I'm going to quote this one, not safe for use except under supervision of a practitioner licensed to administer, unquote, it. Now, as Dr. Douglas used to say, please, you got to be kidding me. Our government is actually admitting that taking a few drops of fluoride could be dangerous to your health, but then they're okay with you drinking fluoridated water by the gallon? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Honestly, I don't think the FDA could find the, that logic in a dictionary. I mean, does, is there any logic to that? A few drops could be dangerous to your health, but go ahead and drink a gallon of water a day that has fluoride added to it. But they were sure right about one thing, ladies and gentlemen, even if they didn't mean to be. The idea that fluoride is good for our health or even prevents cavities is a giant myth, and it's one that's been force-fed to us for, uh, seems like centuries, but it's decades. Over close to three-quarters of the people in the United States are served up fluoridated tap water. But as I've warned you over and over the, again over the years, fluoride side effects are numerous. And that if it was a prescription drug, it would have to have a black box warning. So I'm talking about side effects that are that are affecting us right now. Hypothyroidism. You know, underactive thyroid that we talk about that can cause your cholesterol to go up, cause you to get fatigued and so forth. Reduced IQ in children, diabetes, hip fractures, and even cancer. And now the icing on the cake. Much of the fluoride added to the United States drinking water is imported from China because it's much cheaper. And that Chinese fluoride can contain some extras such as, ah, we'll throw a little lead, a little arsenic, a little aluminum in, in there. 
Now, did you have, you know, ladies and gentlemen, are you, do you know that that fluoride that's in the water that you do not need is coming from China? You know, there's studies out there that show that it, and found that it even contained uranium. So what's the bottom line? We should be taking in as little fluoride as we possibly can, and that's especially true for children and seniors. So if you're town is one of the many across the United States that adds this quote-unquote drug. Now we can call it a drug because the FDA said it's okay. The brain surgeons there said it's a drug. So if they're, if they're adding it to the water, you should invest in a filter that can remove it. But you have to know, ladies and gentlemen, that many, including all those activated carbon filters, do not. So you might want to consider a a filter for your shower head. That will get rid of the chlorine so you don't get chloroform to death. Some studies have found that fluoride can be absorbed through the skin. So, you know, you take a nice hot shower. You don't have a filter. The chlorine turns to chloroform. That goes in through your pores as well as maybe fluoride. We're not sure about it, but there are some studies out there. And please, you need to – by the way, before I leave that, you need reverse osmosis to get rid of the fluoride. Stop, please stop using fluoridated toothpaste and mouthwashes. And never let your dentist sell you on a fluoride treatment. Because the FDA, they just now spilled the beans on what they really think about fluoride. So be safe. Keep it out of your daily diet. Uh, It's going to be really important to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, a good uh, carbon filter will get rid of the uh, a lot of the drugs that are in our water supply in micro doses. It'll get rid of uh, bacteria and, and, and uh, cysts, uh, but you need a reverse osmosis uh, filter to get rid of that fluoride. And fluoride, ladies and gentlemen, it is toxic. It's really toxic. Oh, gosh, I, get, I, I need duct tape when I talk about this subject. My head wants to explode. So, uh, really important. Uh, now, where I, I am in Florida, uh, and that's one of the reasons I picked this area, they do not add fluoride to the water. It's, it's just incredible. It's a, just great, deep well water. So, you've know, got to know these things, ladies and gentlemen. You have to know where your water is coming from because you're drinking it every day. And water is important because uh, that's how we help to detoxify ourselves. You know, this detox, let's just say, uh, before I go on to some other topics I'd like to talk to you about and get Dr. Dan's opinion. But, you know, we hear a lot about detox and we hear about chelation. And, but, you know, drinking lots of good water, working up a good sweat. You know, you know the largest organ of the body? Skin. Who knows? A large, that's the skin, absolutely. And, boy, if we start sweating, we can get rid of a lot of toxins. So sweating is good. So good diet, and we'll talk about some maybe some danger foods you should not eat, especially ones that cause leaky gut syndrome. But uh, you know, get a good sweat and drink lots of water. You'll flush a lot of those toxins right out of your body. Can I mention something, uh, Ron? Sure. About uh, filtering, I'm sure you filter your water. Uh, yes. We filter, of course, through the refrigerator, and then we we have what's called a Berkey filter. And all the water is poured into the Berkey filter, and you can get it with the regular carbon filter and or the filter added to it that can remove any fluoride and any chlorine that might be in the water on top of it. And you really get terrific, safe, delicious water from the Berkey filter. 
Are you getting a in, in in full disclosure? Are you getting any uh, remuneration for that that advertisement? No, nothing at all. I just like all right. That's what I want no, our I audience just, to know. Am I allowed to do that on the show? Absolutely, but as long as we're not making any money because we're self-funding. No, I'm, and... not, I'm not getting anything for it. I'm looking at the filter right now. I just filled it up again, and uh, it's it's just fantastic. It's the only water that we will drink. All we will right, not good drink water, no way. All right, well, that's that's good. Uh, good, 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 well, water and uh you know, they don't allow fluoride in Europe, so my my kids that live in Europe are just fine. Their teeth are strong, no problem. Good strong bones. Well, that's a good some good advice here, ladies and gentlemen. Good reverse osmosis filter. Good. Uh, how do you spell that filter that you use, Dan? I want to check it out. B e r k e y. Berkey filter. With, let's make sure it does relieve the uh, uh, remove fluoride. Uh, but, you know, we should be remo- removing the chlorine, especially in our showers, because that chlorine does become a volatile organic chemical, and, and it, it is chloroform-like. And, you know, usually when we take a shower, our skin is uh, pores are opened up from the warm water, and uh, that stuff just goes right in. And, yeah, it's not good to drink chlorine, ladies and gentlemen. You can't drink Clorox. You shouldn't be drinking pool water, and you shouldn't be taking hot showers without a chlorine filter. Well, you know what? Let me just see. I got something on my desk. Fluoridation, medicating our water. Uh, Let me just read the first paragraph here. I I didn't get to this article, but it says, there's nothing like a glass of cool, clear water to quench one's thirst. But the next time you or your child reaches for one, you might want to question whether the water is too toxic to drink. If your water is fluoridated, the answer may well be yes. This is written by Dr. Gary Null. He's a Ph.D. Wow. So I'll just read this first couple of paragraphs and we'll go on to something. For decades, we have been told a lie, a lie that has led to the deaths of thousands of Americans and the weakening of our immune systems. This lie is called fluoridation, a process that we were led to believe was a safe and effective method of protecting teeth from decay is, in fact, a fraud. In recent years, it's been shown that fluoridation is neither essential for health nor protective of teeth. What it does do is poison the body. Thus, some fundamental questions arise. One, how is it possible that the public has been misled? And two, why do public health policy and the American media continue to live with and perpetuate this scientific sham? Well... All right, we'll, 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 we'll read this article and report on it because he says in here, many people associate fluoride with its periodic table namesake, fluorine. While fluorine is an elemental gas, also known as a halogen, fluoride is also bonded to a mineral forming a solid substance. So there's a lot to this, ladies and gentlemen. I'll, I'll, I'll digest this and, and, and summarize it for you for next week because uh, – Fluorine is is a poison, and uh, there is a difference between fluorine and fluoride. And uh, some of the chemists listening to this show are uh, know all about that. Because in this, ladies and gentlemen, once a myth is propagated, like Dr. Ansel Keys' low-fat diet, very, 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 very hard to dismiss these uh, once it gets into the into the uh, system. 
Wow. So we'll talk about fluoride a little bit more next week, too. Well, Dr. Dan, I was going to talk a little bit about cholesterol. I'm going to talk about the importance of daily flosses and flossing of your teeth. Uh, five danger foods, uh, maybe that you want to always avoid, and maybe let's go with that. And then we'll talk about maybe go off my schedule a little bit and talk about how DuPont's uh, Teflon is uh, really killing us and what they're probably going to do to get to, to to escape all responsibility from it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, have you heard of leaky gut syndrome? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, we studied in medicine, we studied about Hippocrates, the founder of modern medicine. You know that? And what uh, Hippocrates always said was food is medicine. And the other thing he always said is all disease begins in the gut. Now, the, some of our listeners might be familiar with the uh, uh, grain brain book by Dr. Perlmutter here from Florida, a neurologist, and the, they, you might be familiar with uh, probiotics. But today, ladies and gentlemen, more than ever, we know this is true as we hear scientists connecting disease after disease to the microbiome biome disruption. So what's the microbiome? That's all the germs that are necessary for our health, the normal, the good stuff, good germs that are in our gut. And our immune system is in our gut. And our gut is taken an assault, largely triggered by eating dangerous foods. And that leads to something called the leaky gut. A leaky gut just means that the pores of the gut open wide and let some proteins through that shouldn't be uh, let through and cause a permeability problem. So we have more intestinal permeability when we have a leaky gut. So these junctions just get, get bigger. And so what happens? It results in things like toxins, microbes, and undigested food particles leaking out of your gut. And where? Into your bloodstream. What happens then? This sets off a cascade of inflammation. And what have we said on this program time and time again, that inflammation is the basis of most chronic diseases. And other diseases like allergies, asthma, eczema, and autoimmune diseases. How many of us know our friends or relatives with autoimmune diseases? I mean, it's sort of an epidemic. So clearly, leaky gut doesn't only impact your GI tract. Bloating, food intolerance, and gas are common symptoms of people with leaky gut. But not everybody experiences them. So what do you do about it? So instead of going into a whole expose of leaky gut, uh, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Eat the right fats. Don't eat the wrong fats. So what are the best sources of healthy fats? How about avocados, Dr. Dan? Absolutely right. healthy. Yeah, they're right up there. Raw or organic grass-fed butter. Omega-3 rich fish like wild-caught salmon or anchovies. Let's just stop there a second. And ladies and gentlemen, if you see uh, packaging with Atlantic salmon, 
remember that the word Atlantic is a copyrighted word, and those salmon are from a fish farm. Okay? The wild salmon are sockeye and uh, come from the Pacific. So, anchovies, coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil. Always avoid, ladies and gentlemen, the damaging processed fats found in things like margarine. I don't know that many people eat margarine anymore, but I put it down here. And vegetable oil spreads. And avoid canola oil, safflower oil, cottonseed oil. We'll go into canola oil another time, but canola oil is it's it's short for Canada oil. It's a it's a really a toxic oil. We should we should avoid that. Processed oils are extracted by high heat and pressure, and the use of solvents. I mean, does that sound good? The fats in these oils are exposed to light and air, which oxidizes the fat, turning them rancid. So, in other words, a little chemistry lesson, Doctor Dan. Saturated fats have no extra bonds for oxygen to attach. Monosaturated have one bond. Polyunsaturated have multiple bonds where oxygen can attach to the oil and make it rancid. It could oxidize it. Not good. High heat and pressure destroy the antioxidants. They actually alter the chemical nature of the fat, creating dangerous free radicals. And the preservatives, BHA, BHT, that are added to extend the shelf life, why would you want to do that? So, you know, we want to avoid the uh, uh, processed foods. And Harvard researchers, I have a note here, estimate that trans fats cause about 50,000 premature heart attack deaths a year. You believe that, ladies and gentlemen? Trans fats, that's concluding that canola oil up there, cause about 50,000 premature heart attack deaths annually. My gosh. All right. The other thing on the list of dangerous foods is tap water. We already talked about that. Uh, And you want to avoid bottled water because of the uh, soft plastic, okay? Not, Not really good for you. Uh, bottled water is about 300 times more expensive than tap water. Do you realize that? 300 times. What a what a what a great marketing somebody idea somebody had, right, Doctor Dan? Let's put tap water in a bottle and sell it. <laughs> great great idea. I wish I would have thought of it. Straight from so, the Hudson River. <laughs> you got it right. Yeah, it's in a bottle though. They put it in a blue bottle. It's even better. Uh, Numerous studies, ladies and gentlemen, suggest that bottled water also contains contaminants, and a German study detected, wait to hear this, nearly 25,000 chemicals in a single bottled water. Is that mind-boggling? 25,000. Okay. Got to filter your water, ladies and gentlemen. And how about grains? Well, grains used to be good for us, but now they have a lot of gluten and they're surprisingly inflammatory. All right, so we're not grain. We don't talk about grain-free 
Uh, we only do that grain-free in the first phase of treatment. But you've got to be careful of your grains. Uh, so you don't want to consume a lot of gluten, ladies and gentlemen. It's very inflammatory. And the same uh, chemicals that are that, that are thyroid causes uh, thyroid uh, inflammatory disease come from uh, gluten. So we have so many things that can destroy our thyroid. No wonder there's a lot of people with high cholesterol and fatigue these days. So, consuming high levels of phytic acid, that's phytates, also in salt form, and unsprouted grains can actually lead to nutritional deficiencies, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's uh, just avoid gluten. All right, and watch your sugars. I'm not uh, suggesting you avoid all types of unprocessed fruit from your life, but the health benefits of blueberries make them a great part of your breakfast routine. Blueberries are fine, and my buddy who lives up in Maine, I'm sure he uh, he's taking advantage of those blueberries and raspberries up there. So we're going to go try and grab some of them this summer. But you got to avoid the sneaky sugars. This includes avoiding things like yogurt that contain added sugar. Too much sugar causes yeast overgrowth, triggering the yeast in your gut to start overtaking the beneficial microorganisms in your gut. You got that? Sugar feeds yeast overgrowth. And what happens when you have a lot of yeast at Candida? You get malabsorption issues over time. This means your body will not be able to absorb and digest all the vitamins and minerals you need. So if you're experiencing certain vitamin and mineral deficiencies, especially vitamin B12, iron, zinc, or magnesium, know that... These are the chief symptoms of a leaky gut. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go after I give you this last uh, fifth food. We're going to talk about zinc because I, I did, did make a note about that this week. And please, I, I, well, let's just talk about gluten again. Intense breeding practices in agriculture have left us with a modern wheat that's loaded with gluten. I think it's about five times what it used to be. And gluten is a protein that's very, very hard to digest. Today's hybridized wheat contains about double the amount of gluten compared to uh, wheat in the past. So they, they're saying 50%. So I was a little bit wrong, but it, it's a lot more than our body can handle. And let's not forget that historically people prepared wheat in a much different way, routinely sprouting and pre-digesting it for, uh, so it's easier on our body. So be careful of gluten. Gluten intolerance symptoms can include frequent headaches, infertility, muscle and joint pain, skin rashes, mood disorders, and a higher risk of learning disabilities. So foods with gluten aren't always obvious. You know, would you accept? I'll, I'll give you a, an example of a high gluten food that you would never think about. But all right, I'm not going to. I won't spot Dr. Dan. Ketchup. High gluten food, ladies and gentlemen. Lunch meat and hot dogs. Unexpected sources. All right? So watch your gluten. All right. Boy, I tell you what. It, Dr. Dan, I'm glad you called in today. Today's show is just running by here. Uh, great. Great show, Ron. I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to have to do another introduction the way we uh did old time religion as we get going here. 
All right. Let me let, let's uh, let's talk about zinc. Not too many talk, people talk about zinc. If I have time, I'll talk about sleep apnea and magnesium. Uh, but zinc, uh, you know, has a lot to do with uh, what I say. Why is your digestion all screwed up? When's the last time anybody had their zinc levels checked? Quiet out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the answer. N e d e r. Never. You got that right. Docs <laughs> won't even bother with zinc. You know, unless there's an obvious deficiency. You know, if your hair's falling out of your head, or you're tired, or you're on the brink of collapse, he might think about it. But I bet you he looks elsewhere first. But even if you have a foot fall out of hair, Dan, even if you have no other outward warning signs of a zinc deficiency at all, you could be missing out. Again, ladies and gentlemen, the latest research you're not going to hear on CNN or any other show, uh, but you're going to hear it on Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, where we give you the uh, other part of the story like Paul Harvey used to do. All right, here we go. Levels that wouldn't be considered a true deficiency. Levels your own doctor would be perfectly happy with. If he ever bothered to test you, can set the stages for problems with digestion. So that's the, that's why I put that little title for myself. Screwy digestion. Your pancreas squeezes zinc out of your food and pumps it into your body. When your levels plunge, it can't do the job. And you don't just miss out on zinc. This study done on piglets. All right, you you might give me a little flack on that, but our own digestive systems work the same way as pigs. Shows how essential digestive enzymes in the pancreas plunge faster than Hillary's approval ratings, even at zinc levels that fall just a little short over a short period of time. That in turn can slow your digestion so that food, the food you eat starts to pile up in your gut and intestines. Excuse the analogy, like trash during a garbage strike. So if you don't have you don't have the right amount of zinc, you're not going to digest your food, and it's going to start to get putrid down there. On the plus side, which is not a really a plus, you know, you might be a little less hungry. But on the minus side, your inner workings are slowing down, and that's not good for your gut. It's not good for your nutrition. It's not good for your body. Along with digestive problems, low levels of zinc, even if they're not low enough for a quote-unquote true deficiency, can lead to everything from low energy to sex problems in men and women alike. Did I get your attention? More importantly, low zinc can screw up your immune system. Here we go with that immune system again, ladies and gentlemen. Autoimmune diseases, you know? So what happens if you don't have a good functioning immune system that leaves you exposed to infection risk and chronic health problems? And zinc is something you can't go crazy with, ladies and gentlemen, because it definitely is possible to have too much of a good thing. In most cases, you won't even need a separate supplement, just a decent multivitamin. So check your multivitamin. If it doesn't have zinc, uh, or other essential minerals, it's time to shop around for a new one. And don't forget, you can get zinc from your diet. The best sources. Hey, I think you're going to know this, Dr. Dan. I know this wasn't your field, but 
It's the one that uh, we used to try and get our dates to eat. Oysters. <laughs> the <laughs> best source of zinc, right? Remember those days? Right, loaded with zinc. <laughs> loaded with zinc. Uh, but, you know, I, I would think uh, mo- most people only eat them a couple times a year. But the most common sources, the most common source is beef. But you have to be picky. Honest to goodness, grass-fed cows contain far more zinc than the nasty factory processed supermarket cuts. And then a few other places you'll find zinc. And these are these are foods that you have been told not to eat. Number one on the list. What's the food most people they say don't eat? The don't eat egg yolks. Well, ladies mm. and gentlemen, eggs and especially the yolks have zinc. Dark meat poultry. How many people leave that tasty meat on the plate? But it's loaded with zinc. And something that we can't get around anymore is fresh dairy. I mean, that's dairy that's not pasteurized, not homogenized. So we sort of have to forget that one. So good grass-fed beef, uh, dark meat, eggs, oysters, and uh, you can help your zinc deficiency. And you know what? You'll enjoy a good meal, too, and you'll live a lot longer. You won't have so much uh, uh, inflammation going on. All right. So what else we got? Well, I have a lot of things on my plate this week. I mean, uh, gosh, there's so many good things coming on. You know, you know, we're seeing more and more people with Parkinson's disease. And there's a study that was reported uh, – uh, in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine just last month, uh, they were using thiamine for Parkinson's disease. It was a non-controlled study, so I'm really not going to give too far into it. But these pa- these patients improve with thiamine, vitamin B1. So uh, it's something I think I hope they follow through with uh, in the future because uh, more and more people that I'm coming in contact with have the shakes and have Parkinson's. And then another uh, uh, article that came across my desk this week is Parkinson's may spread from the gut to the brain. You know how we talk how this this gut microbiome, how important it is? Well, a large Danish epidemiological study. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this here one here is from the Annals of Neurology. I mean, this is a qualified, real good journal. Right, A large Danish epidemiological study supports the theory that Parkinson's disease may begin in the GI tract and spread through the vagus nerves of the brain. And we all know the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body, you know, but it goes from our gut right up to our brain. Researchers found that patients who had their entire, entire vagus nerve severed were less apt to develop Parkinson's disease. And remember, Dan, when we uh, were studying, they used to cut that vagus nerve, right? Oh, yeah. And they just mm-hmm. do a gastrectomy and treat ulcers by cutting the vagus nerve. Uh, they were the type before, of people they studied. Right, before they developed the medications that have virtually cut out ulcers now, thank God. Yeah, yeah, and, but uh, these patients didn't get drug Parkinson's disease, even after right. 20 years. And they followed some who only had partial vagus nerve server, severed, and they were not as protected. Anyway, thiamine. Uh, is being studied, and that would be a great treatment for Parkinson's disease, which is quite disabling. And again, Parkinson's disease associated with statin drugs, associated with artificial sweeteners, associated with decreased immunity. I mean, I think the answer is in front of us, and we're just not taking advantage of it. 
We're just not taking advantage of it. And cholesterol, you know, we're lowering cholesterol and, and we're doing with drugs that cause cataracts, cause diabetes. I mean, just cause awful things that happen to our bodies. And you know what? That brings me back to one more thing we'll talk about and then uh, we'll see where, where we are in time. Because, you know, I did three three weeks on statins and I, and I had a lot of good uh, comments about that, uh, that those three programs because I, I, I just went over all the scientific literature, not the religion of I think, I believe, but no, the science of statin drugs. And, you know, statins are sort of the sacred cow now for uh, mainstream doctors. And if you don't have basement low cholesterol numbers, you're practically a heart attack waiting to happen, right? But a new international study, again, throwing all those, all those out the window, all that, all that out the window. Researchers have proven that seniors with high cholesterol are outliving their peers, and it's not even close, Dr. Dan. It's a bombshell. I can't wait to see how the big pharmaceutical companies are going to react to this. Uh, and, and who's reporting on this? I don't know anybody else but me, but me. It's all based on one big secret about cholesterol that millions of patients are never being told about. Well, there is a book out, The Cholesterol Myth, and this is probably where he got the title. If you want an 80% chance of living longer... And you want to blow out those candles on your cake and have Dr. Dan play for you because he's one <laughs> heck of a musician. It's time to ditch, the stat, ditch those statins, Dr. Dan, so we can get you out there. So, <laughs> I Dr. already did Rav, that. <laughs> Ravnikov, R-A-V-N-S-K-O-V, just in case people want to look this up. Dr. Ravskov and his research team found that when they crunched the data for 19 studies that included over 68,000 seniors, I'll tell you in a nutshell what they discovered. They discovered that those with the highest LDL cholesterol, and you know we were all told that's the bad kind, were 80% more likely to outlive those with the lower numbers. On top of that, the researchers dared to suggest that maybe, just maybe, we should reevaluate the guidelines recommending re- pharmacological reduction of LDLC in the elderly. So, what's the translation for that? From the, there are millions of people taking statins who shouldn't be. Think about it. Trust me. The ink wasn't even dry on the study before the cholesterol crew had their knives out. They were looking for any flaw they could find. They even tried to claim that some of these high cholesterol folks were probably taking statins. Right? So why was their cholesterol still high? Can you believe it? These guys would rather argue that statins weren't working properly than acknowledging you shouldn't be taking them. Quite a lot of nonsense, Dr. Dan. Uh, mm. That's the kind of delusional thinking that the mainstreamers twist when they're trying to keep the wolves away from their uh, I, you know, what should we call it? the statin cash cow because it is a cash cow with billions of dollars being made every year. The fact is, not all LDL cholesterol is the same, and we talked about that. We said that you should have it fractionated. It's not all harmful, and that's the secret that's been kept away from a lots of statin patients. There's a big difference between a small LDL and a large LDL. And most 
large cholesterol studies, and maybe all of them, I'm not sure, have never measured the different types of LDL. Instead, it all gets lumped into one category that comes to be known as what? Bad cholesterol, LDL high, bad cholesterol, but there's more than one type of LDL. This issue is an important one because small LDL really is bad. The small one, it's not only small, it's also dense, and it responds to inflammation and oxidation by laying down plaque on artery walls. So if you have a lot of dense, small LDL, that's bad stuff. It causes inflammation. And inflammation it was what causes the artery walls to fill up with cholesterol. On the other hand, large LDL is often called fluffy because it floats. Yeah, like like, like the kids in the in their floats going down the stream. And it does no harm. So to just say that LDL does this or LDL does that without breaking it down into smaller, large varieties. This is the way that LDL might do no harm at all. But there is a way you can alter your diet to stack the fluffy LDL on your side, and you don't have to take a pill. Ditch any food containing partially hydrogenated oils and make sure you're getting plenty of high-quality saturated fats like we talked about, the avocados, the coconut oil. And avoid the simple sugar, simple carbohydrates, the fake sweeteners. And have we talked about high fructose corn syrup a million times? Please get high fructose corn syrup out of your diet. So what am I saying? Saturated fats actually promote healthy, large, fluffy LDLs. Now tell that to your mainstream doc and stand back and watch his head explode. Because he just has not read the research. Well, Dr. Dan. Uh, yes, Ron. Dr. I want to thank you for being on on here today. You, uh, you're you're a great friend, uh, good physician, good musician. Uh, so I, I want to thank you for being here today. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, to Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored now. And I want to thank get, you too, Ron. Having me on. Thank uh, you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, we have an attitude of gratitude with everybody that's listening, and uh, we have thousands of listeners. Even after the 15 minute delay last week, we still had over 50,000 listens. So people stuck in there, and I, I really appreciate that. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Ron. Uh, covered not everything that I put into the program. We were going to talk more talk also about iron and ferritin and maybe why you should be given blood and we'll try to get that next week. Uh, that'll be uh, right after the 4th of July and please let's remember to uh, celebrate the uh, men and women in the armed forces. Uh, they truly are the ones that make us free and please uh, salute the flag. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's the end of another show. I appreciate everything uh, that you do to keep the show uh, popular because if it, there wasn't a lot of people listening. Uh, uh, I would not put the time into the show that is required to uh, give you some great information. Dr. Jerry Smith is on assignment in uh, Italy and London uh, doing some seminars, so we'll have his thoughts in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, have a great 4th of July 
Uh, be careful out there. Watch your driving. And we'll see you next week. Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron have left the building. Thank you for listening to Rejuvenation Health Radio here on blogtalkradio.com. See you next week. Ciao.